lesson. If not, Tony fell asleep on the job again. <laughs> right? <laughs> uh, those are following online and so forth. We're on uh, our series on Let's Be Real, lesson number five, talking about our life. And uh, today we're going to talk about the institution of marriage. And our opening verse is Genesis 2, 24. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. In order to be real about our life in Christ, we studied previously that we need to examine our testimony for God and make sure we have a real testimony for the Lord. Uh, we also need to examine our service for God and make sure we're actually serving for the right reason, which is because we love Him. You know, if we're serving because of the pastor, if we're serving because of the church, we're serving because of our guilt, that ain't going to last long. Uh, but if you're serving because you love the Lord, you'll stay steady uh, and you'll never stop serving God. And then we talked about how we need to examine our faith and make sure uh, we're in the right faith. Uh, and our faith must be directed toward God. And it must be developed daily with God. Faith pleases God. We talked about that in our last lesson. And uh, increased faith will, faith will keep us with God. Uh, so these three areas are controlled individually. Uh, how we talk and our testimony, that's controlled by us. And how we respond, uh, how we serve God and why we serve God, that's us. Uh, we control that. Um, our faith in God and how that faith is and how rich that faith is is all based on our responses to the things that God brings in our life. We make decisions about our testimony serving his faith, but there are areas that involve others which we need to be real about as well. Marriage happens to be one of them. Marriage is truly misunderstood today. Uh, there's not much uh, you can ask the average person about marriage and give it a same answer twice. Uh, everybody has a different definition of marriage. That was the society we live in today is just redefine everything uh, so that it matches everybody's lifestyle and criteria, and then everybody's happy. So you just keep changing the definition. Yet uh, we understand that uh, marriage has been uh, not only misunderstood but abused, distorted, and it's unbiblical in many instances today. Uh, even when it comes to people of faith, uh, there's still questions about this subject. It's, it's one subject that people still have an issue with. Um, and it's, if we just look at God's word and follow it like God says, we won't have any issues. Uh, it's because we're trying to adapt our life, uh, whether we make good decisions or bad decisions, uh, in the new definition so that, again, it, it pleases everyone uh, except God is the one who established marriage, so we need to really follow his leadership. So uh, not many people have the correct godly outlook on marriage today, so that's why it's important for us to understand that and also important for us to follow because uh, that's what God expects in our life. So after understanding God's institution, uh, we need to be real about our own marriage and how it affects our life in Christ. 
so first of all, we need to understand, and this isn't a, a marriage counseling class, so I'm not going to fix your marriage. Um, that's going to take uh, about 150 years of your life. <laughs> and then it'll be fixed. I promise you, At the in the end, it's all going to be fixed and everything's going to work out great. But uh, uh, there's nothing I can do to fix anything. Uh, but I can show you in the scriptures what it says and let you and your spouse make the decisions that you need to make that's going to be biblical. Uh, so first of all, we see, number one, God created marriage. It wasn't created by man, so man cannot change what it is. Uh, Genesis 2, 24, which you read just a minute ago, Therefore shall man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave to his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And if you read Genesis 1 and 2, you'll realize that's when God's creating everything. He created the world and all that's in it and the seas and the skies and the heavens and everything. He created man, created woman, then created marriage. And so God created everything. There's a purpose uh, for that. And if we can understand the purpose of the marriage, it'll help us answer a lot of the questions people have today about marriage and divorce. Uh, so the purpose was to, uh, it was to be a foundation for the family. God always uses a foundation and a purpose and a role in everything. He has a purpose for you individually in your life. What you're going to do, how you're going to serve God, what your life is going to be like. Uh, then when, you're, when your life intertwines with another through marriage, now you both have individual responsibilities to God, but as a family, you're a foundation where God wants to use that family also for his purpose. And so he uses the foundation of the family as a way to uh, begin uh, the process of having a family that's going to serve God. So the foundation of the family starts with marriage, uh, and that's the purpose. And then we have the need, he says in the scriptures there, to multiply the earth. Examples uh, and this is our relationship between Christ and, and the church. In Revelation 19, 7 says, Let us be glad and rejoice and give honor to him, for the marriage of the uh, Lamb is come, and his wife uh, hath uh, made herself ready. His wife is the church, his people, his believers, uh, those that believe in Christ. So as we look at the uh, heavenly picture of the marriage, we see uh, the Father that brings a bride, his church, to his chosen people, to his son, and to have a marriage that's going to be for eternity. And so if we take that picture and we apply it to the physical marriage on earth, we'll realize that we have the husband who has taken his wife, the bride, and they're going to be one forever physically. That's why it tells us in the scriptures that if your husband or if your spouse dies, then you're released from that bond because they died. Uh, any other reasons is not part of God's plan, wasn't part of God's plan from the beginning, just like Jesus said. Uh, they asked him, well, why did Moses then allow divorce? Because he said, the hardness of your heart <laughs> he did that but from the beginning that wasn't the way it was supposed to be because the unity 
of the family on earth is a type of unity of the family of God. And God does not want us to leave the family of God and follow other idols or other things in our life. That's when we get the, you know, the definitions of adultery because we have left our first love and turned our attention to another. Uh, just like in a physical marriage, you lose your love and you turn your attention to another. And so that's why God has a lot to say about adultery uh, because it represents a, a tearing down of the institution of the family that God created and also of the testimony we have with Christ and being part of his family. So God created uh, marriage, but also God ordained marriage. In Hebrews 13, 4, it says, Marriage is honorable, honorable in all, in the bed undefiled, but whoremongers and adulterers God will judge. So God recognizes marriage and approves of all contact in marriage. It's, it was a special unity between a man and a woman that was uh, uh, ordained by God uh, for the purpose of having a close-knit uh, family, being of one flesh, and also uh, multiplying the earth. So God recognizes the marriage and approves it, but it will be judged when it's outside of marriage. Uh, we cannot look at the things that we do in our flesh and think that we're going to get away with anything because God's always ultimately in charge, individually and also over the marriage and over the family. So we have a responsibility and accountability to God and what we do uh, with our marriage and with our bodies because that's part of our unity together. That's why God made it so special. So God uh, ordained the marriage, but also God governs the marriage. Luke 16, 18 says, Whosoever putteth away his wife and marrieth another committeth adultery, and whosoever marrieth her that is put away for, from her husband committeth adultery. Now here's where all the stink comes from because people don't want to understand fully what God's word says and tries to change it to, make, to meet what's going on in their life. So just like they're approaching Jesus and asking him, because at this time in life, of course, throughout that time, there were people who were married, there were people who were divorced, there were people who were getting remarried, just like we see today. It wasn't any different in Jesus' time than it is today. And that's why they approached him and asked him to try to trip him up and ask him questions about marriage and everything. And he quotes this, uh, whosoever uh, puts away his wife and marries another committeth adultery. So when you understand that, God created the marriage bet between a man and woman to be united forever because that represents our unity with Christ, which is going to be forever. So when we leave our spouse and marry another, now we were one flesh with one spouse, and now we're torn apart from that, and now we're trying to unite ourselves with another. Uh, and so the reason why God makes it that way that you commit adultery in that, because you're, you look at it from the uh, spiritual aspect, it's the same as us leaving Christ and following another God or another religion and saying, I'm, I'm done with Jesus. Uh, I, I don't want to serve Jesus anymore. I, I want to go a different direction. I'd rather be on somebody else's team. Well, that doesn't fly with God because God said uh, one of his main commandment, you know, is we're going to love the Lord our God with all our mind, heart, mind, soul, and strength. He comes first. It's only him 
He's the only God. There is no other God beside him. God is a jealous God. He does not want you to serve any other gods. And when you do, it's a problem with God. It's sin. And so in the marriage, of the physical marriage, it's the same thing. So I said, well, is it between just a man and woman? Well, that's what the scripture says. It also tells us in the scriptures it should be between a Christian and a Christian or a believer and a believer. Just like in the old days when God commanded his people not to go outside the tribe of Israel and marry people from any other nations that they're traveling through. Leave them alone. Marry your own people. What happened when they married outside? Nothing but problems. I had nothing but problems when they married outside. But they stay, stay, stuck within their tribe. That's what God allowed and that's what God wanted. It's the same thing today with believers that we are to marry believers uh, and not marry outside of different beliefs because that's only going to cause problems. Every time Israel did it, they married somebody from another nation. Well, what happened to other nations? They didn't serve the one and true holy God that created heavens and earth. They served some other God or many gods. And then their whole family decided to go that way. And now they're all uh, in sin. And so the same thing happens today when we marry someone who's not a believer. It's not that we're going to make them a believer because they married us. But we're going to start following them and their family and what they believe. It, that's always the case. And that's why God says, just don't do it. It should be between uh, a believer and a believer. And the time frame is between your marriage with someone and death. That's, that's it in, in God's eyes. Now, there are all kind of exceptions to that. And people talk to me all the time about that. And I was talking to another pastor about this just recently. And um, they're trying to find out how to explain this. Because people start to think, well, if, if, if I, I'm divorced, so I guess I can't serve God. That's not what the Bible says. It doesn't say that you cannot serve God because you married another. But what happens is that we're trying to justify our past life or what we're in now and still try to make excuses for why we don't serve God or why we're not involved or whatever it is. And that's not what the scriptures say. And then you had those that are in a leadership role as a deacon or as a pastor. That's really the only two leadership roles that are in Scripture that do not meet the requirements that the Bible says, the husband of one wife. And people say, well, I, I see it as a husband of one wife at a time, that I only have one wife. If you have more than one wife at a time, you're an idiot, by the way. <laughs> Probably the dumbest people I've ever known. But other than that, you're also an idiot <laughs> when it comes to the scriptures. And that's not what it says. Is you can't say that I qualify to be a deacon or I qualify to be a pastor if I've uh, been divorced. Because that's not what it says. Because you go back to what Jesus said, whosoever put away his wife and marries another commits adultery. So that is not saying you can have one wife at a time because even if that was true, that's still true. <laughs> You're still divorced, and in God's eyes, you've been separated from your first love and your first marriage, and now you're with another, so that in, in technically, in God's eyes, is adultery. 
And yes, you can be forgiven all that. Yes, you can still serve God from that. Yes, you can still be involved in that. Yes, if that was your past, you're married three or four times, you can still serve God. You can still follow God. You can still be a good Christian. Yes, your, your life is a whole lot better now than it was many years ago. You made a lot of mistakes. You've been, you've been all kind. Your life was a mess, and, you, and now it's much better. Now you've been saved. Now you're serving God. Now you're doing great. Well, keep serving God. Keep doing that. Just don't try to get in one of those positions that God says is separated by special conditions, and that's a pastor and a deacon. Other than that, serve God. Go do what you need to do. But God directs this. And so you cannot say that I can be a pastor and have been married before or more than once and meet the criteria whether you want to say it's one wife at a time or one wife, it doesn't matter how you say it. There's other verses in the scripture that say you still don't qualify. That's the scripture. That whatever you want to do with that, that's what the Bible says. So verse number four, or number four says here, not verse, but number four in our lesson, God clarifies marriage. He mentions in 1 Corinthians 7, 8 that not everybody will marry. They don't need to marry. It's not necessary that everybody get married. He says, I say, therefore, to the unmarried and widows, it is good for them that they abide even as I. I mean, it's, it's better for you to not be married or if you lost your spouse not to be married because your attention gets more focused on God in those situations than your family and the kids and everything else that goes along with it. God is not against marriage. He ordained marriage. But... He knows, and you read uh, 1 Corinthians 7, the rest of all that, that, that we have responsibilities in a marriage to our husband, to our, our wife, to our kids, to everything that we, you know, uh, provide for them, we bring them up admission of the Lord, we, we take care of our spouse, we love our kids, we love our family, we love our, uh, our spouses, and there's a lot that we need to keep doing while we're serving God, but when we're, we're not in that situation, it's easier just to serve God. That's what he's trying to say. It's not for everybody that they marry or remarry. It's just that they, it's better off if you didn't um, just because you can focus on God. But also God uh, clarifies marriage by saying marry, uh, you may have to marry to avoid, avoid fornication. In 1 Corinthians 7, 2, he says, nevertheless, to avoid fornication, let every man have his own wife and let every woman have her own husband or fornication Adultery is exactly the same, except one is before you're married and one is after you're married. That's the difference in definition. But otherwise, he's saying if you can't keep your hands off each other, just go get ahead and get married. Because all you're going to do is burn within, and, and it, you're just going to end up falling into fornication. And then in God's eyes, again, by his definition, you're married. You know, in our country, and every country is different. We have people that listen in online and, and on, on Facebook that are from different countries. Every, different uh, Countries are different everywhere as far, as far as they hand, how they handle marriage. In some countries, I heard from Brazil and some other missionaries that we know down there that say a lot of the people that come to the church are not married because it costs like $450, $500, $600, whatever it was. That was many years ago. It was probably $500, $600 now for a marriage license, and the people in our church don't have that kind of money. They want to get the document that says they're married, but it costs so much money, they don't. And so 
from the government's eyes, they're not married. And from the government's eyes, that also helps them with benefits and stuff if they're not married. It's just it's kind of similar in our country when you're married and you have, uh, if you're unmarried and have 16 children, you get more money from the government than if you're married and have 16 children. That's just the way it is. Uh, and so people sometimes don't get married and don't have a bunch of kids because they get more money in the mail. You may not see it, but I've seen that, and I know it happens all over. Yeah. Uh, it just depends on where you're from. And so um, there's, there's different things that happen, but uh, when we look at God's perspective, it doesn't necessarily mean what the government definition of marriage is because that's always going to change. Uh, and so you may have a marriage license if you're married in this beautiful state of ours or in this country or somewhere else, you may have a marriage license. But in God's eyes, when y'all, uh, when a couple comes together physically, they're married. And that's why God doesn't like prostitution and whoremongers and everything else he mentions in the scriptures. It's because you're just going from one person to one person to one person. And technically, in God's eyes, you're leaving one and going to another and going to another because you, the first one, you married. <laughs> you, were, you were one flesh with the first one, and now you've been with 16 more. Uh, that's not cool in God's eyes. That's sin. Uh, and he doesn't want us to be that way in our life. Uh, so uh, we need to marry if it means avoiding fornication. But then he also clarifies marriage by saying stay married even if the spouse is not a believer. That's, that's if, you know, again, um, you did not know what God's word said, you got saved later, or you refused to follow God's word, and you still got married, and you married an unbeliever. Don't, now that you understand, and now that you know what the scriptures say, and now that you know what you need to do, whether it's because you got saved and you started understanding the Bible, or whatever it is, uh, if they're lost, you need to stay with them. There's no reason to... Uh, Leave them just because they're lost. Now, God makes a provision for that as well. First Corinthians 7, 12, and 16. But to the rest speak I, not the Lord. If a brother have, hath a wife that believeth not, and she is pleased to dwell with him, let him not put her away. And the woman which hath a husband that believeth not, and if he be pleased to dwell with her, let her not leave him. For the unbelieving husband is sanctified by the wife, and the unbelieving wife is sanctified by the husband, else were your children unclean. But now are they holy. But if the unbelieving depart, let him depart. A brother or sister is not under bondage in such cases, but God hath called us to peace. For what, know, uh, for what knowest thou, wife, whether thou shalt save thy husband? Or how knowest thou, O man? whether thou shalt save thy wife. So what he's saying here is, if they're unbelieving and everything's going fine, stay together, reach them for the Lord. Uh, it would have been better if you had reached them for the Lord before you got married, but now that one is saved in a marriage and the other one isn't, stay with them. If they happen, if they happen to leave and there's just no peace because, not because, you know, you don't like the way he takes out the garbage or cuts the grass or, you know, uh, she throws her underwear all over the house. You know, that, that is not the, what he's talking about here. I'm not talking about you. <laughs> talking about Joe. And uh, anyway. <laughs> but he's saying if there's no peace because 
one is a believer and is following God and loves God and wants to serve God and wants to do right with God, and the other one is so at un, at unrest because of the believing spouse, there's never going to be any unity there. That person's either going to get saved or that person's going to leave. There's just no unity. It's just like when you go with your family or friends and, and you, you have a reunion or whatever, you know those people that are just lost and following the devil, they are not going to want to hang around with you. They're not going to want to hear what you have to say. They don't even want you there. You can't even be in the same room with them. And sometimes that happens in a marriage. One person gets saved and the other one doesn't. Then stay with them and keep being a light unto them. And they eventually most likely will get saved or they're going to leave. So God define, uh, clarifies marriage. But if you are unmarried, uh, examine if you want to be married or remarried. So some questions here is what do you think your direction is? I mean, what do you think God would have you do? If God wants you to be married, you'll have that desire uh, to want to find somebody to be married. But um, if you feel like, you know, if he doesn't, are you okay with that? Uh, and that's really where you finally yield unto the Lord because if, he's, if you feel like, well, I'd like to be married one day, but if not, it's okay. If that's okay, and God will eventually, I, I guarantee you, bring somebody that's right for you. But he wants to know that you're committed that way, that you're, you're willing just to stay with God and follow God. And if that's not his direction, then I don't want to go that direction. But some people, they're so determined that they need to get married and they want to have a baby and all this stuff. They make so many bad decisions because they're just following their direction instead of God's direction. And so what do you think your direction is? What does God direct? And how will it affect your life with Christ? Uh, again, when you do marry somebody or if you do or looking to marry somebody, uh, one of your criteria on your list ought to be not that they got the bluest eyes ever or uh, I love bald people or whatever it is. <laughs> I won't say who rang that bell, but... <laughs> Y'all listen online, and you know who it is. <laughs> but uh, it ought to be that are they, are they following God, or are they close to God, or are they on fire for God? Because if they are, that's going to help me be closer to God, on fire for God, and follow God. You need somebody like that. You don't need somebody who is away from God, even if they say they're a believer, they may or may not be a believer, that are not following God, they're not in church, they're not doing anything for God. If you marry them, you won't be following God much longer. And I know a lot of people that hear that don't believe it when they, until they go through it, but I've seen it over and over and over and over and over again. I can promise you that that is exactly what's going to happen. So think about that. If you're unmarried, what would God have you do? And then if you are married, how are things going? You know, sometimes our marriage is not as strong as we think it is, and we need to be real about that. Our marriage affects our life with Christ. We, we need to both be on the same page. That doesn't mean we're called to the same ministries. That doesn't mean we're doing the same work for God. But that means as a family, as a husband and wife, we're moving in the same direction to follow God. We all have different gifts. God gives us different gifts. Uh, you've seen that with people here. You know, one, the spouse sings really well. The other spouse, you, you don't want to have them sing at all. Uh, there's just different talents, different abilities. 
uh, different ministries. Uh, and then, again, going back to the roles, there's roles that the husband's going to have that's different than the roles that the wife's going to have. But we're still moving forward with God. We're still serving God together, uh, and we still need to be on the same page. Uh, what, do you, what, do you, uh, what you do in your marriage affects you and your spouse's living right for Christ. So the decisions y'all make and how y'all serve God is going to make a difference. So we need to be real with our marriage and make sure that we're on the same page, we're moving in the same direction, we're following God. Everything seems to be as strong as it can be. A strong marriage will create a strong life. Each of you will uh, complement or strengthen each other's life. We all have weaknesses, we all have strength. And usually, uh, if we're following God's leadership in marriage, God brings together people who are somewhat opposites. Um, if you look at your spouse, you could say, yes, amen, they're, they're somewhat opposites. And there's a reason for that. If you're exactly the same, all y'all are going to do is butt heads like this because y'all are exactly the same. God made y'all different so that one has the strength and one has the weakness. You can bond together and cover up each other's weaknesses. Only the strength will show. And that's what God wants. Because we all have problems and the, our spouses that help us with those issues and problems so that they're not exposed and we can still serve God together. So strong marriage may uh, will have uh, two main elements. Number one is trust, and number two is commitment. Do you realize that's the same thing God wants from his people? <laughs> trust in God and be committed to God, yes. faithful and obedient to God. And everything that we do in our life represents everything God wants in our spiritual life. God wants us to trust in him. God wants us to follow him. God wants us to submit to him. God wants us to be committed to him. God wants us to be faithful to him. What do we want out of our marriage? Trust, commitment, faithfulness. We want the same thing. We need the same things. And God put it together like that for a purpose. Lack of trust for each other will bring forth lack of trust in God. Because you can't trust one another. You definitely ain't going to trust God. If you stop trusting God, you're not going to trust one another. I mean... You just, if you can't trust them with your problems and you try to fix them yourself, you're not going to be able to fix them yourself, and you're not going to trust your spouse when they try to fix it too because you don't believe they know what they're doing. And God's ultimately in charge. We've got to trust God so we can have everything work out in our marriage. Lack of commitment in each other will bring forth lack of commitment in God as well. If we're not committed to God, we're not going to be committed to each other. If we're not committed to each other, we're never going to be committed to God. Uh, commitment is both ways. That's why when we have a strong marriage and a strong relationship with each other, we have a strong marriage and relationship with God. I mean, that's how it works. God, there's a reason God put marriage together the way he did, and it's to represent our life with Christ that we're going to have with him forever and ever. So when we have a question about what marriage is or what we should do in our marriage and uh, what kind of commitment we need to have or what, how should we treat each other, go back to spiritual side. How do you want Christ to treat you? How do you want to treat Christ? Are you going to follow Christ? Are you going to trust Christ? Are you going to allow him to make the decisions in your life? Are you going to let him do what's right? Your questions can be answered if you'll just put it in the perspective of the spiritual side of it. And Christ being the husband, we're the bride, uh, and we're to follow him. And, and just it, everything makes sense if we just put it in that perspective. All right, let's pray. Father, thank you for the time we have here today. We do ask that you bless the rest of our services for your glory. In Jesus' name, amen.